KXNO. And now, from the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The college basketball season concluded last night in the national championship game in overtime, Virginia and Texas Tech. From ruin to redemption, the Virginia Cavaliers are the 2019 NCAA national champions. The call from Westwood One to baseball in Wrigley Field, EU unique RBI for Javi Baez. He just reached out, basically threw his bat at it, and it's an RBI hit. Oh my. <laughs> it's five to nothing. Oh my. The call from Cubs TV. The Cardinals last night with a comeback victory against the Dodgers. Jordan Hicks closes it out. One, two pitch. On the ground. Carpenter across the diamond. The stretch by Paul Goldschmidt. And the Cardinals take game one. Fun ball game. Final of 4-3. to three. The call from Fox Sports Midwest. Live from the Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Zubin Mahente coming up in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. We'll go around the world of sports with Zubin. NBA playoffs start. Well, final regular season ends what, Trent? Tomorrow or tonight? Or Thursday. Thursday, yeah. This no, is no, the no, final tomorrow, week. Tomorrow. Yes, Wednesday. <laughs> right. And Flaunting then we put our, our, NBA, uh, uh, put our NBA hats on. Our NHL hats on, too. It starts tomorrow, the playoffs. You got any futures for me? Yeah, I do. Got some teams you like? I already fired at the Sharks to win the Cup at 12-1. to 1. Uh, Boy, they got to beat the uh, Knights in the first. There's a couple of matchups. Uh, we're going to do a little hockey segment tomorrow. Okay. A little yeah. hockey segment tomorrow. Hockey For fans, the diehard, yeah, um, absolutely. For the rest of you, eh, it's hockey season. Yeah. It's playoff season. We'll help you out. We will. We will. Maybe we'll uh, create or, uh, a hockey fan or... Um, reignite the passion that they once had for the game. Maybe they will. I don't have it right now. I'll be perfectly honest. Because your team has stunk down the Absolutely stretch. brutal. Absolutely brutal. And I get to hear about it every day before the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Jets have yeah, Another one. Damn Jets. The last two minutes. Yeah, it, that's been a time. problem, right? They've been yeah. giving up goals late. Yeah, a lot of them. And they get the St. Louis Blues. I guess that's the local team in the, yeah. hot, in the playoffs. Right. No Blackhawks, no Wild makes it a no. little more difficult. It's a tougher sell. I agree yeah. with you. The Blues but there are, are Blues too. fans. Are Andy there? Fails. Fails is one. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Johnson is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Okay. He's another. Uh, my cousin Chuck. Yeah, he doesn't move the needle. No. Chuck's a good guy. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Well, I hope Chuck has a miserable next couple of weeks. <laughs> and Fails. And Johnston. We'll, we'll see. Uh, so we'll do some of that tomorrow. Look forward to uh, d- talking a little puck here as the playoffs start tomorrow. But we want to do something different. Everybody's got their... Well, the Vegas has put out some odds. Uh, already for next year, the favorites to win the national championship. What did I see? You retweeted it. Yes. Iowa 40 to 1, Iowa State 50 to 1. Jump it up. Iowa 50 to 1, Iowa State 60 to 1. Okay. So they like, uh, Vegas likes Iowa a little bit better than they like Iowa State. I've seen Iowa. I probably looked at six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, two early top 25s. They're in a bunch of them. Yeah. I think they were in like maybe four of the seven mm-hmm. that I saw. Iowa was, didn't see Iowa State. Uh, nor did I. Though, uh, Lenardi's bracket had Iowa as a three seed, Iowa State as a four, and Drake 
as the 15 no, seed. The doggies yes. are in. Outstanding. He was the, the pick out of the valley. How about, I said, where do I sign up for that? I, yeah, I, I'm in. Um, does Shelby Mass put up his bracket? I'm going to look right now. Yeah, I, don't I know. always get yeah. such a kick that the... That they have to, they, ESPN, make sure that Lenardi's got one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gannett, make sure that Shelby's got a bracket out. He does. It's oh, coming in April, so it's not out yet. Ah. Coming in April. Well, it is April. Shelby, let's go. Yes. Let's go here. <laughs> uh, this isn't, yeah, no, this is this year's bracket. Right, yep. Anyways. All right, so we, everybody's way too early, so we thought, well, what the hell? We'll go too early. Absolutely. We'll, we'll follow that trend, but we're going to do a different. We're going to give you the starting lineup. Now, this is Cyhawk night. So this is in December. This is in December, the second Thursday in December, which we assume is the, where the, what the date the game is going to be played. We know mm-hmm. it's going to be in Ames. Um, this is the Cyhawk starting line. And, and the reason I say that is I want Cordell Pemsel to start. Okay, all right. And he probably wouldn't have started too many games in November. At least that's my assumption. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not going to start him for Iowa. Okay. I'm going to play him. He's going to be my first guy off the bench. Just because of what of the last year, right? I mean, it won't happen again. I think the Iowa one is pretty easy. We both assume Tyler Cook is gone. Right. I'm assuming everybody's gone. Wigington's gone. Horton Tucker is gone. Tyler Cook is gone. We know the guys that exhausted their eligibility. Obviously, they're gone. But nobody else is leaving early. Nobody else is. The rest of the roster is available to you and I. Okay. Now, the other caveat we have to put in there, Mm -hmm. as Iowa State is looking at some transfers. Right. The possibility of grad transfers that could come in. It would blow up this whole conversation. But this is... As it's currently constructed here on April 9th, uh-huh. how we see the starting lineup second Thursday in December. Yep. Iowa at Iowa State mm-hmm. Hilton. It'll be another great environment. I'm already looking forward to that one. And after last year, I think the buildup's going to be a little bit more intense. Trent, I it was spectacular. I'll never forget the 2018 edition of it just because it got a little nasty. Coming on the heels of a incredibly disappointed 17 for both Iowa and uh-huh. Iowa State. They're both bad. Uh-huh. And they're... Everyone anticipated they would be better than they were a year ago. We still didn't know a ton. Felt like we knew a ton about these teams at this point. Iowa played well. They had the the tournament wins. See, Iowa State I was impressed with Iowa State and Hawaii. Yep, a couple of victories out there. They played. Should have got Arizona. Oh, that, uh, that was the, the one that played. Yeah, that, that, that was still, that was the first game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. sticks in your craw right. a little bit. Should have had that game. Mm-hmm. But but that aside, I think still people were looking to find their footing with both teams. They're That's better. fair. They're better, but we weren't sure how good. Mm-hmm. And it ascended. By the time we got to January, we were talking about just incredible things for these teams, and they didn't go quite to those levels. But I think the buildup, because we know more about these teams, maybe the expectations will be different for Iowa State. But I think both programs are back on a little more solid footing as a, compared to a year ago. All right, so, so you say Iowa's the easier of the two. Let's start there. Do you have Creener starting? No. Nor do I. Do you have Toussaint starting? No. Nor do I. Um, so the front line is uh, Inunji Garza Weiskamp? Weiskamp? Yes. Well, I, oh. Oh. I like Pemsel in that role. Over so you're going to start him? Because the way that I look at it is this way. Mm-hmm. I think they need some more scoring punch out of that second unit off the bench, and Nunji certainly can provide that. We know that that's a guy that can score, and he showed it during his freshman campaign that he can put up some big numbers. And because of that and what they lost with Nicholas Bear, a guy that could score off the bench and, of course, do everything else that Nicholas Bear did, a little more scoring coming off that bench. So that's why I'm going to go with Pemsel in the starting role at the four next to Garza, Wieskamp, and then the backcourt, 
Same as it was this year, right? It, 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 it's Moss and Bohannon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You went one step further than me. I wanted to start Pemsel, but I wanted to start him for other reasons. Oh. And that's because of the Cyhawk. Yes. You know, let the crowd at Hilton, they'll be full throat when he steps on the floor. Trust right. me. Public enemy number one that night in Ames, Cordell Pemsel. Uh, assuming, well, Connor McCaffrey will be 1A. Um, but yeah, I think we're good. I think we're going to, if you, you, I've got Nunji starting, you're going to put Pemsel in there. I like your lineup better. I like your lineup better. Now, Iowa State, this, it's, it's, I had, I had the four, four of them came easy. Four of them came easy. Yes, agree, agree. Um, and then the four that came easy, uh, Steve Prohm is playing two bigs this year. He has He will. To. With Condit, the construction of this roster, you have to play at least more often. Right. Now, is Solomon Young starting on Cyhawk night for you? I do not have him as Nor a Nor do I. I have Condit and Jacobson. That's what I have, too. Up front. Yep. Um, backcourt is who? Nixon, Halliburton. Nick, Nixon, Halliburton. That's easy. Who's your? Who's the fifth guy? That's the great unknown. Now you know my affinity for Terrence Lewis. He's. I bought all the stock. You did. I don't know if he's going to be around for and the you saw game. it plummet. <laughs> yes. No, he's going to be. Apparently, he's in. He's in. Yeah, apparently okay. he's in. They they've had the conversation. Um, good. Uh, Prom um, went out of his way to praise him and said it had to be a tough year for him. At least I think I'm. Am I dreaming that? No, I remember reading that. There's minutes available. There are minutes available. I want Zion Griffin. Me too. Yes. Yeah, so we ended up the same <laughs> yeah. fashion. Now here's another part though. That I just don't know a whole lot about. And we, we asked Alex Halstead a little bit last week. The recruits, week, yeah. Is the three guys coming yeah. in. None of them highly ranked. Right. Regarded. If you go back a year, this class that we saw this year mm-hmm. was yes. hyped. Yeah. hyped, Big time. Big time. We talked about those guys a lot. A, Absolutely. because Iowa State's dunk. And right. B, because we're talking about a couple of top 100 guys, another guy in the fringes, 125 range. Luke Anderson, I guess, is the most well-regarded. The uh, six foot nine kind of stretch four. From Florida, he's ranked 211th mm-hmm. at 24-7. Next, Trey Jackson, the point guard, combo guard, I guess more, from South Carolina, 234 at 24-7. And then Marcetus uh, Leach, who is ranked 306. That's the intriguing one, though, to me. This was a kid that had a lot of big-time programs after him early in his oh, career. he got injured, that's right. And I think it was two pretty significant injuries. So it was the Kentuckys and the LSUs uh-huh. of the world. He's a kid from right on the Missouri-Arkansas border, and I think he transferred high schools. But uh, this was, at least at one time, a really well-regarded guy. If he's healthy, worth the roll of the dice, certainly mm-hmm. when he got open scholarships here. So that would be the one, if, if you're talking about kind of the surprise, the guy that you don't he see He would coming. be this year's, or next year's Ty, Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. Nobody saw him playing 36 minutes a night. No. Nobody. <laughs> I, he was the, was he the, again, recruiting in Ken, not real, you know, mm-hmm. um, the least heralded maybe? The least, because Horton Tucker was off the charts, right? Yeah, yes. He was, Horton Tucker was nationally 57th. He, uh, Zion Griffin was top 100, couple services. Halliburton, top 200 kid. And he was he Mr. Basketball in Wisconsin? Did, oh, I don't know that. I yeah. thought, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I think who else would have been, no. I don't know. Tyler Hero. Was he? Well, that that would make sense. Yeah, he's a little bit. He's got a decision in his own right. Yes, he does. Uh, as we're starting, those are starting to come fast and furious. Is will he leave uh, this year? Like a, um, his teammate Washington did, and 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 uh, declare for the draft. So, well, I think we've kind of got it. We're close. We're close. The the trickier part will for Iowa State is what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Do you play two bigs together? Mm-hmm. How often are you playing two bigs together? With the construction of this roster, I, I think you 
have to play that way at certain times. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same kind of depth. Again, not knowing if a grad transfer or an eligible transfer comes in and maybe changes that up. Are we shortchanging Solomon Young? Because he started a bunch of games in his yes, career. Yes, he did. I don't think so. Okay. Fonda Jacobson, your guy. They're my guys, but I'm just yeah. wondering if... And I I would really like to see... I think the way that Condon and Jacobson play, I think those two would be really effective together. We saw Jacobson step up the range a little bit this year, mm-hmm. certainly better than it was at Nebraska. No question. At the high school level, he was always a good shooter for a yep. big guy, and I think you're going to see even more progression And there. him and Shayok worked on that a ton when they mm-hmm. were both sitting out last year. Condit is such an intriguing player. I'm with you. The length, the athletic ability, the shot-blocking ability that he has, and I think there's plenty of upside still to his offensive game that we just frankly didn't get to see much of this season. It's going to be an interesting year, and to see who else becomes part of this roster. Baseline expectations, though, fair for Iowa State. To be an NCAA tournament team, is that maybe even too much? I I think they take a step back. Just with you know the lineup that I put together yeah. right here, um, because Halliburton, as good as he was, wasn't a high volume player. No, it's not I a mean, guy that you can count on for sixteen a game. Look at the point. Look who they got. They got to replace Shayok and Wigington. Yes, I mean that's not going to be easy. Uh, I don't Bab know. Ran the point right, and why Nick Wilder Bam? Yes, yes, yes. He was my guy in January. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I praised him every chance I got, and I've already forgotten about him. Um, you're a great point. No, I don't. If I had to, it's, it's I mean, not going very far out on that limb. I was a tournament team. I don't know right now if I would consider Iowa State to be in that mix. I think I'm kind of in the same avenue, mm-hmm. just just short of that. At least that's where my expectations are, with the roster still to be filled. Right. For Iowa, I think the the intriguing part, and I told you one of my favorite activities to do. Is, is minutes. Is minutes. Yeah. Because that's tough. I mean, we, we gave the starting lineup that we think we differentiated with Nunji and Pemsel, but you go through. How many minutes does Patrick McCaffrey play? Yeah. How about we, his brother? Where's yeah, Connor? Where's Connor? How many I, minutes is he getting? How about Tucson? He's uh-huh. the point guard the Hawkeye fans have been wanting. Right. Well, is he really ready for that? We're not mm-hmm. talking about a top 50 player nationally mm-hmm. coming in either. We, we, you've, we've both got three guys. We've both got, well, we've got, what, seven guys. Um, how many minutes for Creener? Right, yeah. But we didn't have in the starting line. Right, and I love Creener's game. Mm-hmm. Love Creener's game. I love what he brings to that team. Does C.J. Frederick find a role with this team? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know. We didn't get to see him in PTL because there is no PTL. Uh, isn't that disappointing? Oh, I hate it. Yeah, me too. Me too. My, we didn't break down the box score of the PTL. <laughs> it was just a launching point. Hey, Andrew Fleming scored 42. Well, that's where you fell in love with Lewis, right? Over in Terrence the, Lewis uh, at the Cap at City the Cap League. Cap City, yeah. Yes. I got to be careful. Yeah, because he was your Who guy. Who was the kid that scored like seventy-two in the Capital City League for Iowa State and barely played here at all? Yeah, I remember. about five years ago. I was going to say four from, years yeah. ago, but in that I don't remember. Just went absolutely yeah, nuts. I we'll, don't remember. We'll have to ask Chris. He'll, I'm sure he'll have it off the top of his head. Um, we've got Zubin Mahente next. We're going to get a timeout. Get Zubin in here around the world of sports. We go with Zubin, but I anticipate a whole bunch of last night. Let's do this. Time oh. to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword hockey. To 200, 200 right now. What a word. Hockey, right? Yeah. Uh, we'd like to have that one back here tomorrow. Uh, but 200, 200 right now. Text the keyword hockey standard message and data rate supply. KXNO and EKG Golf. Miller and Condon. Zuba Mahente next. Fourteen six on Facebook. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. 
Taylor and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon. Glad you're with us. If you missed any portion of the program, you can always click on the podcast link. And the podcast will be up. First hour is already up. Trent, is it? It's up. That up, baby. iHeart Radio and uh, the iHeart app is where you can find all of that. Uh, indeed. Uh, you can find Adrian Claiborne next year back with Atlanta. He got his ring with the Patriots and back to Atlanta he goes. So Ooh. Tampa to Atlanta to New England, back to Atlanta. Did I miss a spot? No, Stop. I think you got them all. I think I did too, but he's got a Super Fun Bowl player. ring. Yeah, indeed. Uh, what five sacks in a game is a, a Falcon? Five sacks or four? Yeah, five. I, I, I think, think it was, it was five. five. Yeah. Uh, Zubin Mahente joins us. Zubin, Trent, and Ken. Thanks for coming on. Zubin, how are you? Doing great, guys. I got to tell you, last night, obviously, I haven't had a chance to listen to the show today. I'm sure you've been national championship talk heavy, and I got I got to say, I don't know how much of the post game you guys saw last night on on ESPN or CBS or CBS Sports Network, but. The one quote that will stick with me, and I know Trent, you were there. I don't know if you were at the post-game pressers or not. Um, we were on, Kenny and I were on until about 1 a.m. Eastern. So we heard most of the post-game sound. And if you would have told me if Virginia had won the game with the story that they had accomplished, I would have said, well, the most poignant quote of the night must have come from somebody from Virginia, considering everything they had gone through. But I'll tell you, the one that caught me when we aired it on ESPN the most, and uh, – was the one where Chris Beard said, you know what, I'll, I'll be at all these guys' weddings, all this sort of stuff, talking about how he'll always be a part of his players' lives. He goes, but I want to make sure as they get older, I'm going to be around them to tell them not to get into coaching <laughs> so they don't have to feel like I feel right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that was about as strong as something I've heard from a winning team or a losing team, and I'm sure it doesn't feel any better today. No, I, I can't, uh, Zubin. Uh, re- remarkable job to get Texas Tech here, Virginia. Look, the the numbers are were okay. They were down from the last time CBS had the tournament. Uh, I think it was 12-5 uh, as opposed to 14-5, something like that. The numbers were down a little bit. But, man, Zub, this last two weekends of this tournament, we had we discussed this last week when we, you know, the weekend that just was. Here we are again. Uh, these past two weekends, just absolutely remarkable, with clearly more than making up for, in some people's mind, a disappointing opening weekend just because we didn't have the drama that we're uh, usually accustomed to. But, boy, we had it this last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, the biggest two takeaways for me, one silly and one serious, one serious is that uh, it's trite and it's simple, but the lack of brand name absolutely will affect your rating. I mean, it is, it will. I mean, that was the first overtime game since 2008 in the NCAA championship. Right, tournament. Memphis, right? Yeah. And, right? I mean, it, and even overtime, for the most part, was very compelling. The game hit the over. It wasn't the slog of 118 or 119 where you'd have a sub-60 scoring team winning it. Um, It wasn't like that at all. And so it does go to show that brand names absolutely do matter because in terms of drama or excitement, it's really hard to match last night. And from a silly perspective, I will tell you that a lot of my uh, colleagues here at work, I know my affinity for the NBA, they'll sometimes shake shake their head and say, "Wait, wait till we get to the first round of the NBA playoffs and how boring it is. And wait till we get to the conference semifinals, how remotely interesting it might be, and try to compare it to this. And I always say, listen, I, I love both college basketball and the NBA, but I could definitely take some good-natured ribbing when people say, how could anyone prefer the NBA over college basketball? Especially, I mean, the postseason is almost impossible to get college basketball because of the way the tournament is set up. It's so exciting. 
but it's really hard for a lot of NBA fans to argue that the NBA game is better. Is it more athletic? Sure. Is it is the skill level better? Obviously. Is it more dramatic? Probably not. Zubin, a uh, lot of conversation about the late start time, the 9.20 Eastern start time for you guys out there on the East Coast. And it was relayed to me, and I thought it was interesting, though, because it feels late. It's late for a lot of people, youngsters, obviously, trying to watch the game. But for the most part on the East Coast, things are built a little bit differently. Local news starts at 11 o'clock. Day, work days, a lot of times, start later. They don't have work days that start at 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Sometimes it's later there. Tell us about, you've lived across the country now, East Coast living, and is that a real thing where the late start time, sure it affects some people, sure it affects some kids, but maybe not as big of a deal as many want to make it out to be? It's not because I would tell you that 80% of our viewers, okay, 80% of our viewers, I'm not going to talk for broadcast television. Mm-hmm. Broadcast television is about 115 million homes. Uh, and due to cord cutting, ESPN at one time was in a max of about 100 million, and now it's in about 87 million, which is not a small figure. Um, but obviously, last night's game was on broadcast television. 80% of ESPN's viewing, you can extrapolate this any way you want, so I'm just going to give you numbers that I know, live in the Eastern and Central time zone. Think about that for a second. 80% of our mm. viewers live in the Eastern and Central time zone. The Southeast is ESPN's number one viewing area. For all the talk that's made about here, we have 11 pro teams here in the Northeast where I live, in the New York, New Jersey area. If you add up all the four major pro sports, and St. John's, which is a, you know, it's a tangential, it doesn't really count, it's a pro sports area out here. Obviously, they had some big news yesterday with St. John's, too. But the Southeast is our number one viewing area, and 80% of the viewership lives in my time zone or your time zone. So from that perspective, it's just something that we've dealt with for a really long time. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you're talking about younger viewers, whether it's 7 a.m. Eastern or 7 a.m. Central, at 7 o'clock, <laughs> kids are at the bus stop. You know, we're still getting out at 2.33. You guys are getting out at 2.33. So in terms of getting the younger viewers, I don't think the hour really matters because, you know, at 8 o'clock or 7.45, I was in school. And I would, I would assume at some point along those times, Trent, you were in school at 7.45 or 8 o'clock. So I don't think the hour <laughs> so much matters there. Because I think whatever time it is, it's time to go. So uh, I do think it's something that we've just kind of had to deal with. But the overwhelming percentage of our viewers have been dealing with this since the moment they started watching sports. Now, I've lived in the mountain time zone. I've lived in that other 20%. And that can be a little bit frustrating, especially when, you know, they don't even acknowledge their time zone. Like, so, for example, right. yes. you see it tonight. It's 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Yeah. The mountain, Four Pacific. But it is one of those sorts of things you guys well know that we've been dealing with for with dealing with it for a long time. And, you know, it doesn't seem to hurt in person attendance. I mean, for example, I think the Big Ten has probably led college basketball in attendance now for more than forty years. So a lot of it is just the passion. You know, it means more in the SEC, right, as they say. And you guys, you guys have always shown up throughout the Big Ten footprint for college basketball to the tune of leading the country in attendance for 40 years. So sometimes you have to put up with a minor inconvenience here or there. But I think sports fans have shown they're willing to do that to support their team. You know, Zubin, since, you, since we're ta- talking ta- time zones, and you've worked in three of them, I don't think you've worked in the Pacific time zone, have you? I have not worked. That's what I thought. For me, the per, as, a, as a sports viewer, as a sports fan, for me, the mountain time zone is the best. I mean, Monday night football coming on at 6.30, Sunday night 6.15, 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, 11 and 2.30, 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, college football. 
Mountain time zone, for as a sports fan, I, that was my favorite. I haven't lived in the East, but I've lived in the other three. Give me the mountain time zone any day. It's a good one. I've certainly lived there for six years. I thought it was a little bit unique, but it was great. Um, the one thing I would say about the Pacific time zone for people in our industry is that by the time you go to bed at 10 o'clock, everything is pretty much over. And I think that's interesting. If you're a morning drive host or you work at your ship, it is hard to stay up and say to yourself, you know, what did LeBron do last night? Not that it's relevant at this point now, but when there's something big going on, the Dodgers have won the West for six straight years, and they've led baseball attendance for six straight years. So if you're working from a national perspective, you might talk Dodgers, or you might talk Lakers, or you might talk Blazers, or whatever the case may be in the 90s. And so you get to a point where from the West Coast, specific time zone, it is nice to know that when your head hits the pillow, you've pretty much seen yeah. everything that's happened in mm-hmm. sports that night. So no matter who calls you the next day or what the big story is, you're equipped to talk. Sometimes here it's tough in the East if you're Mike Greenberg or somebody that was waking up at 4 o'clock to work at 6 o'clock in the morning for the better part of the last 20 years. It's tough to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning and catch that late West Coast final in baseball, hockey, or basketball, or even a late Monday night for whatever the situation uh, might be. So I agree with you. It's the perfect time in the mountain time zone. But if you're a Pacific time zone person, it really, it really is kind of a feather in your cap to know whatever happened in sports last night, whoever calls us, pretty sure I saw it or I saw the highlights. Uh, Zubin, uh, let, let's switch gears. Uh, this time last year, you were in Augusta. Uh, covering the Masters for ESPN, um, like it's it's one of those weekends of the of the sports calendar, right? That uh, that if you're not a real golf fan, you're going to watch golf at least, you know, maybe a couple of times a year. And then the U.S. Open, I would think, would be one of them, and this would be the other one. It's kind of the unofficial launch uh, of spring in the summer. Uh, being there, Zubin, as opposed to watching it on TV, I don't want to go. I think it's spectacular to see it, and I would love to see it when the Masters isn't being played, but he's just missed so damn much, I think. But what's it like being there, Zubin? What am I missing? Well, it's funny. Right when I was on a hold, Trent was actually talking about how he had knocked off the NCAA title game on his bucket list, so the Masters was remaining. So obviously, I think this is obviously a conversation Trent and I were having just a couple of minutes ago. I think the biggest thing, I, I, two things I would take away. One, the access is unbelievable. Generally speaking, I think many people believe at golf events, and, you know, we have a PGA Tour event here uh, in Cromwell, Connecticut, and obviously you guys have had the 99 U.S. Senior Open. You guys have had a, uh, a Champions Tour event. It was called the Allianz when I was there. I assume it's probably called something else. Principal now. Charity but, Classic. There you go. So we've been a part of all that sort of stuff. And I would tell you at the Masters, it's about as open as you can get in terms of accessibility, not to the players per se, but you can get real up close and personal, and especially how informal. I normally got there on a Tuesday, and we stayed through the following Monday. It's amazing uh, how close. I remember the first time I was there, um, I was just walking around the ground on Wednesday morning. And there's just hundreds, if not thousands of people walking around the putting green, walking around to take a picture on the uh, um on the international scoreboard at the first, walking around to take a picture at the par three contest. And I remember I was just walking around, and I remember I walked, you know, was walking one direction and coming at me right the other way. Just nobody around him. I'm like, is that Nick Falcon? I think that is Nick Falcon. You know, and you're kind of like rubbing shoulders because it's so crowded. The foot traffic's amazing. People are friendly. So I think it's sort of 
has a little bit of the antithesis of the everything's roped off, it's truly inside the rope. The accessibility is tremendous. And Scott Van Pelt, who is there, has told me this, and many, many people who have gone far many more times than I have, have told me one of the great, great things about the event, Thursday through Sunday is amazing, and don't get me wrong, our first report yesterday with Scott and Tom Rinaldi and Marty and, and all these people yesterday was Tiger heading right over to work on his wedges, three hours on his wedges and his putting. That's all it was. And that's something we honed in on. But he's often said his favorite day is the part three contest because that's the day the actual closeness that I'm talking about really hits its crescendo. That's when everyone lets their guard down. That's when such a rigid, formal environment melts a little bit and they let their hair down. And Jim Nance has actually told uh, a story that when everybody congregates at the Part 3 contest, because last year was so memorable with Nicholas and his son and the not-so-memorable with Tony Finau and his ankle, (laughs) when that is happening, the entire world is out there watching the Part 3 contest. Nance is out there walking the course because that's the true moment of solitude you can get there. Yes, everybody is there. Everyone's ready to go. They've got their badge. They want to watch the ceremonial tee up on Thursday. They get there Wednesday. But while everybody is congregated watching that event, this guy who's been calling the event since 86, not, not 86 in the tower, but 86 in a hole, and for the most part has been in the tower since past summer all retired, he just walks the course because of his solitude. And so there's so many great stories from so many great broadcasters out there that I just like to listen to. Do I love golf as much as these guys do? No way. But can I appreciate why they love the game, even when somebody like me shows up that doesn't have the interest that they do? It's pretty palpable when you're there. Zubin, I I was wondering when you go through and you look at where the Masters is today, it's always been a huge tournament. I remember 86, watching it with my grandpa as he was watching Jack and that incredible run on the back nine. Tiger, what he did in 96, obviously elevating the sport to a new level, but I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it, but it feels like the Masters here over the last maybe 10, 15 years is, has even gone up a notch, and it feels like just one of those events that it was always an event. It was always a part of the sports calendar, but it seems so much bigger now than even it was 15, 20 years ago. Am I all wet on that, or do you see that too? Oh, I totally agree. When I went last year, they announced, the Augusta Women's Amateur, which was actually played this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was won by a golfer at Wake Forest University. And the final round was actually played uh, at Augusta National. The entire tournament was not played there, but the final round was played there. And again, not being a humongous golf fan, but appreciating the sport and certainly taking the opportunity to be fortunate enough to go, uh, Rinaldi, Tom Rinaldi, covered it. And uh, Fred Ridley, who was the chairman of Augusta National, made the announcement at his like yearly State of the Masters address. And all of the golf people that I was around this week, uh, the usual golf crew, and I got to tag along, so to speak, everyone was talking about what a huge story this was. And this wasn't a huge story because of Martha Burke or because of the Masters' previous situations or how the composition of their membership looked. This was just a huge story because Augusta National had decided to stage this event when they really don't do many things like this or innovate in many ways. You've gotten a couple of featured channels on television. You've gotten somewhat expanded coverage. You'll see better coverage on ESPN Thursday and Friday. You'll see Encore presentation Thursday and Friday. But so many people just told me that one moment, which I just thought of as a news story. As a sports fan, I said, this is probably something that needs to make it into Sports Center. We should probably call Dottie Pepper, who's one of our golf analysts, great former player, get her opinion. 
And I'm just keeping that thought to myself. And all of the other golf people were like, you have no idea how big of a story this is. I'm all right, fill me in. Fill me in because mm-hmm. I'm obviously not as into it as much as you are. And so when you have an event that can add an amateur event, not a professional event, that can add an amateur event and basically say, can this affect the first major of the LPGA season, which was actually last week, it went head-to-head with a women's amateur. Can you imagine on the men's tour if a tour event went to head-to-head with an amateur event and the amateur event got more attention? <laughs> it almost seems unfathomable. But that's the power of Augusta, where they can stage an amateur event and it can override the women's first major of the year. So I agree with you. The aura has grown. The ticket prices have grown. The availability has shrunk. The interest continues to grow. And remember, this is an event that Tiger has not won for 14 <laughs> years. I don't think he won a green jacket since 2005, if I was looking at my list yesterday correctly. So to me, that's just the aura of the Masters. If they decide to do anything or innovate in any way, stop the presses. It's the biggest story in golf. Uh, Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, uh, let's bounce around a little bit. You know, I don't know if you saw the Budweiser commercial that came out. I guess Dwayne Wade's getting to, getting uh, on the cusp of playing his final home game in Miami. Did you see the spot Budweiser put out today? It's it been look at I I cry at commercials now. Not ashamed to say it. I balled at the, not balled, but uh, this one got me as well. Have you seen this Zubin where? You know, he's been he's been exchanging jerseys with a bunch of the players that he's played against, his peers, and um, I'm not going to spoil it. Have you seen it? Oh, it's amazing. Isn't it good? And I think the thing about him is he's always been a first-class guy. For your listeners that don't know, he, unlike Jim Sturkovitsky, has basically said, this is it. This is my final year. Many assume this is Dirk's final year. He's getting, you know, all the antiques and all the, all the commemorative gifts on the road, even though he hasn't said he's done. But Wade has basically said he's done. And I don't know if you guys have discussed this on your show. Wade had actually said he's going to miss basketball so much that he's actually going to have to go into therapy when his career ends. He actually openly said that. Hmm. I'm not going to be able to wake up the day after my career ends and think I'm a former NBA player. I've made a lot of money. Or I'm married to a famous actress. Or my, the rest of my life is ahead of me. All that stuff is true. But he said, I'm going to go into therapy because this is all that I've known. Now, you might remember, going back to Marquette, when he first got into the league, that he donated 10% of his earnings to his church. So this is a guy, that's a lot of money. Think about Dwayne Wade's salary. So this is a guy that's always done that. The spot basically is talking about how Wade has affected other people's lives with his generosity. Um, You'll see something from the Parkland shooting, which obviously is, you know, reverberating around the country, but especially in that part of the country. Um, And I think a lot of people will tell you, even though, um, he did have that stopover with the Bulls. And this is interesting to note, Ken, I know you love football. Um, I, we have a lot of people here that used to work in Miami that I work with here that I kind of joined the company with at the same time. And they will tell you, absolutely, for a certain generation of people, I would say this would be somebody like my age or your age or Trent's age, even though he never got back to the Super Bowl, Marino is a number one in that town. But for these guys who are maybe, you know, I would say between my age and your age, Ken, that have kids, they say, oh, no, no, number one for my son, who's in high school or younger, hands down number one is Dwayne Wade. Sure, LeBron started the situation where they got to Miami and they went to those back-to-back titles and those four straight finals. But the people that live down there, Dwayne Wade, who was part of the first team championship team with Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade is the preeminent athlete in Miami 
right now. Whereas I think a lot of people that had the accomplishments of Marino, even though Marino's been retired a really long time, yep. it's still Elway's town in Denver. Yep. I'm pretty sure. It is. played in forever. And by the same token, for people that age, it should be Marino's town. But if you're of a younger person in the Miami area, for people that I talk to that had kids, it's Dwayne Wade's town. That's amazing, considering they've got two World Series champions, Dan Marino, a 17-0 and team, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James. All these people have played down in Miami. Obviously, the great Miami Hurricanes team, uh, to a certain extent. Alex Rodriguez is a Miami guy, but the biggest guy of all is Dwayne Wade. The ad is really good. It's really emotional. Um, and it's going to be a farewell. If they sneak into the playoffs, we'll see. But either way, it's going to be done. And he's going to have a great, great legacy in the game as one of the great humanitarians of the game. No, Dobbs, I mean, it's terrific. I, I highly encourage everybody to seek it out if, you, if, uh, if you're sitting at your desk or whatever. It's really, really good. So, but last thing for you, we've got like one minute left. I have to assume, and maybe you guys at uh, ESPN have some inside uh, insider info on this. I love the release of the NFL schedule. I, I do. Um, Trent kids me about it, but we'll break it down uh, to some respect. Do you have any ideas, Zubin? It has to come out next week, right? It's always out before the draft. Next week has to be it. I would assume. We always have a schedule release program, and I don't have that off the top of my mind. So I'm kind of a little very deep in college hoops, as you guys have as well. But that just goes to show how big it is, guys. Because if I'm not mistaken, in years past, in the schedule release show, um, there's really not even that much more information than we already know right now. Maybe the order is given and right. a little bit more than what we know in terms of we'll play this division this year, and obviously we'll play our home and away against our division. But that is one of those things where if you told me on the surface, that would be a compelling TV show. I know it. <laughs> Look, I think, you know, right? Yeah. Over the years, we've been able to turn poker into compelling. Yeah. I never doubt our people here. But it's one of those things where you look at it and say, simply the power of the NFL. It's yep. nothing new. It's really nothing that earth-shattering. But people will gather around the, uh, the TV like it's a campfire to watch football news. And I think the biggest thing to keep in mind there, it seems hard to believe we're saying this, but it absolutely feels right. How many national television appearances will the Cleveland Browns make? Will the mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns match out with their national TV appearance. The answer is yes. That would be unfathomable 18 months ago to even ask. No question about it. Zubin, enjoyed this as always, my friend. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Zubin Mahente. All right, guys, take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zoom Mahente, ESPN. You know we're doing that. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for my it. My favorite part is the is the games around, well, the Thanksgiving trio yes. is my first stop, and then the games around Christmas okay. is their Saturday night games. In the, anyways, uh, Trent, we've got a concert coming up in Jefferson, Wild Rose Casino. What have we got to tell the folks about? It will be Scott Stapp of Creed. He's coming to Wild Rose Casino coming up in Jefferson July 6th. You can go to wildroseresorts.tix.com to get the tickets or just find a link here with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. You can find it there. Get your tickets and listen to Scott Stapp playing up at Jefferson. We'll get a timeout, put a cap on the show. Coming up next, it's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Number one podcaster. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO.
All right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final couple of minutes. Murph and Andy coming up at 2. The Fanatics today at 4, and we'll do it all again with the morning rush starting things off tomorrow at 6. Alabama and Oklahoma scheduled a home-and-home. Did you see that? It was just announced. How about those two heavy heads? What, 2046 we'll see that? Uh, (laughs) 32-33. Yeah, you might see it. I guess I wasn't too far off no, there. No, you weren't. You weren't. I'll wow. be 72 and 73, hopefully. Uh, anyways, um, but yeah, it's been two heavy heads, but man, you wish they could get move that up a little bit, do you not? I I love the flexibility that college basketball has in terms of their scheduling, and though there are a few things set, you do have that maneuverability. Mm-hmm. Why can't we do that in college football? I don't know, Trent. And who knows where we'll be by then? I mean, 2025 is a very big year. They might be in the same league of They might be, right? That sounds crazy. That's an excellent point. I mean, it might be be. 40, 50 programs that have just formed their own coalition. It will be different. I think that's safe to say. All right, so it's going to be different going forward for the next few months. A lot of baseball, NBA, Mm -hmm. NHL playoffs, and golf, et cetera, is college sports uh, going to hibernation for the, uh, well, until July when the media days kick off again. But uh, you you pointed it out. I was trying to find, well, I'll watch the Cardinals, I guess. And you, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> DeGrom against the Twins tonight. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. That's a 6-10 first pitch. A little interleague action. The Twins on the road in the Big Apple. So I got that. And uh, starting to prepare for the Masters. And oh, you've got drafts? Is that what you're doing? I got a lot of contests that I'm in. Uh, Did you bet the under last night, by the way? I did not. Good. No. I luckily I stayed away from that disaster because that was ugly. But Oof. I uh, You know the pros were all over, right? Yeah. Over. Yeah. That was the big low. play. It's too low. It was way too low. But uh gonna be doing that and last year I handed out Patrick Reed on the radio you airwaves did. at forty five to one. I will try to get some value for the people tomorrow. We'll Maybe do that late in the show tomorrow. Yeah, Matt Rudy's going to be here. David Kaplan's going to be here. Going to work on an NHL guest. We're busy tomorrow. It's Miller and Condon. Thanks for being with us. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO.